Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So haven't you guys just enjoyed the series that John's taken us through on uh, New Covenant Prophecy? Hasn't it been good? Started as, I think, one message, and here we are six months later. <laughs> I mean, John did really, really well last week in that he did a three-week series. I mean, we'll, we'll see when he comes back next week whether we're going to carry on in the series, but, but he was trying his best to land it, and that's quite something for John to do a series in, in three weeks. But this morning, we're going to do a one-day series. So track with me, and let's see, let's see how we go. Uh, but I'm going to follow on from where John was in uh, the book of John, chapter 14. And uh, what I want to talk about today is the higher way, because there, there is a higher way. And uh, I want us to look at that. So John chapter 14, verse 26 and verse 27. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So I really want to focus in on that one phrase that the Holy Spirit will teach you. Holy Spirit will teach us. And what does that look like? Uh, what does it mean? And I think it's probably different for all of us. But the, the concept is that Holy Spirit is there to teach us. Uh, we even see with with Jesus in, in the book of John chapter 7, verse 14 to 16. Um, not until halfway through the, fe- the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and began to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. And so we see even Jesus, he's, he's reliant upon Father, He's reliant upon Holy Spirit to guide him, to lead him, to teach him. He's God, but as he's fully God, fully man, he's showing you that he's reliant upon Father as they have this codependent uh, relationship, if we want to call it that. Jesus dependent upon Father uh, for the things that he's teaching, the things that he's sharing. We then see in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so, my message this morning is really very simple. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And that's why He gives us Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to lead us into His ways. Because His ways are other. And uh, so what we're going to do for the rest of this morning is we're going to look at a few passages where we clearly see that God's ways are higher, His ways are other, and why we so desperately need the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us as we journey through life. And so as we, as we start out this little journey, um, I want to just look at Jesus sending out the 12 disciples. Jesus gathers the disciples, he's called them, and the first time he's now sending them out. So they've spent a little bit of time with Jesus, they've observed things, he's taught them things. Um, 
Jesus obviously feels, okay, now's the time, going to send them out. And so he gives them some final instruction. And, uh, and with the, the coaching and instruction, some of the things that he says is, don't take a money bag, don't take a sword, don't take extra shoes, extra clothing. Uh, basically, just as you are right now, that's all you need, go. Don't worry about any of the other things. So he calls the 12, he does that, sends them out, and the Lord provides for them, and they come back with beautiful stories and testimonies of, of all the miraculous things that God did. A little, little while later, Jesus then gathers the 72, and he does a similar thing. He gives them some coaching, some instruction, and again, he sends them, and, and as he sends them once again, he gives the instruction, don't take extra money, don't take a sword, don't take extra clothing, whatever it is, just go as you are. So twice they've had this clear instruction just to go as they are, not to take anything extra with them. We then uh, have the, the Last Supper where Jesus again is giving some final instructions to his disciples. And, and, and this time he does something a little bit different because he's now sending them again. But as, as we read in Luke chapter 22, verse 36, Jesus said to them, But now, if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. So, okay, this, things are changing here. Uh, this, this is time to get real. I, mean, I, can just, I can just picture some of the disciples like, yeah, let's go get us some swords. This is party time. We're going to, I mean, it's guys, come on. Guys are like, give them any opportunity to grab hold of a sword, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> now, commentators say lots of different things about this verse and what did Jesus really mean. I don't know. If I was Peter and Jesus said, go and sell your cloak and buy a sword, I probably would have not been smart enough to realize if it was metaphorical or if it was literal. I think I would have done it. I would have sold my cloak and I would have bought a sword. Just for, for Jesus said, have a sword. I've got a sword, guys. Come on, this is going to be fun. Like, I would have done that probably if I was in Jesus' shoes. I would have gone and bought myself the coolest sword I could afford because Jesus said it was, it was what I needed to do. Again, was Jesus speaking metaphorically and the disciples missed it? Quite possibly he was. All I'm saying is if I was Peter, I probably would have done the exact same thing that Peter did. In one of the other Gospels, we see the disciples respond and they say, Jesus, we've got two. And Jesus kind of calms them and says, enough already. Um, I think maybe they were trying to think like, well, it's not like we haven't got any. We've got two, but we'll go get more. Jesus just says, enough already. We're often harsh on the disciples because it's easy to be harsh on them when we read the Scripture. But I sometimes put myself in their shoes. I'm like, oh man, they did pretty well. I think I would have done a whole bunch worse than what they did. I mean, just 10 verses later, Luke chapter 22, verse 47. While Jesus was um, still speaking, a crowd came up. And a man who was called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them, Luke's being very kind here, he's being general, you know, one of them, the other Gospels unfortunately weren't so kind, and they named Peter. It was brash Peter. 
Sorry, Peter, but we know it was you. One of them, Peter, struck the servant of the high priest, Malchus is his name, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. He touched the man's ear and healed him. If I was Peter, man, if I could swing a sword like that, I probably would have done the exact same thing, except I might not have been so accurate. I might have taken the the head off. Like, I mean, that's some serious swordmanship there to take the ear off. I mean, Jesus said to them just a few verses earlier, sell your cloak and go and get you a sword. Peter's like, let's do this. I'm ready. I got my sword. They're not going to get you, Jesus. You're going to be the king. (laughs) But we see so clearly, God's ways are not our ways. I mean, speak for myself, I would have probably done the exact same thing. but, 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 But Jesus then corrects because his ways are higher. And, uh, and as Peter comes in thinking he needs to defend Jesus with sword, uh, it's the very thing that Jesus was created for. Well, not created for, that's a, uh, theologically bad. He was always there, sorry, forgive me. The very reason he came to earth. There's another story in the Bible. About the sons of thunder. James and John. Jesus nicknames them sons of thunder. (laughs) I mean these guys, they're just trying to be what what Jesus has called them to be. And so they're on this this little walk and they end up, this is Luke chapter 9 verse 52 to verse 56. Jesus sent messages on ahead and he went into, into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, sons of thunder, when they saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And then he and his disciples Went to another village. I mean, James and John, they're like, but Jesus, he called us sons of thunder. Like, there must be some authority that we carry that we can just, you know, if there's some unjust situation taking place, we just step out of the way, call on heaven, and <laughs> sons of thunder, call down thunder and fire and destroy them. <laughs> Yet Jesus corrects them. Rebukes them because his ways are not our ways. See, so often I think we we see things, we hear things, whether it's in the scripture, whether it's God speaking to us, and our, our natural minds naturally come to certain conclusions. The conclusion that Peter came to was Jesus said, get a sword. He got a sword. They came to take Jesus. Well, I'm going to use the sword because Jesus said, get a sword. He came to a conclusion that was the wrong conclusion. The sons of thunder. Jesus gave them that nickname, sons of thunder. And they're like, well, this must be for a reason. We've got to call down thunder upon injustice. And these people are not welcoming the king of kings. We need to do something about this. And so their conclusion was, we need to call down thunder on that place. They came to the wrong conclusion. 
You know, I, I have some comfort in find, or in, in knowing that James and John and Peter, they were known as like the inner three. They were the three that were kind of the closest to Jesus. They were the ones that were there at the transfiguration and a number of other significant encounters or moments in Jesus' life on earth. Those were the three that were there. And if they could get it wrong, I was like, oh, Jesus, I feel okay that I sometimes get it wrong as well because even they got it wrong. But at the same time, it's not living in this place of, I'm okay that I get it wrong because even they got it wrong. It's, no, Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me all things that I will get it right, that I will follow you, that I will be led by you that you will teach me and guide me and that I won't necessarily come to earthly natural conclusions that seem so plain and obvious sometimes when you're doing something completely other because your ways are not our ways. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your help. We need your guidance. We then see in John chapter 8, verse 2 to 11, it says, at dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. Oh man, that's so challenging. <laughs> see I think what we've sometimes done just as John has so beautifully taken us through an understanding of the, the transition from old, uh, old Testament prophetic ministry to New Testament prophetic ministry I think there's so many things where our thinking needs to still catch up with what the Lord has already done and so when it comes to things like the law we, we sometimes I think apply Old Testament thinking into areas or issues where justice is required. And so we, we look and we say, well, in the Old Covenant, you should be stoned. And so probably we'd maybe think, well, okay, stoning is maybe a bit harsh, but, but, but there needs to be some punishment here for this action. And, I mean, these things are, are not always clear or straightforward, but we see that Jesus approaches this from a very different perspective. He approaches it from a whole other dimension. Jesus, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we need you to teach us 
and guide us. Because I think what we've sometimes done is we've, we've taken the old covenant law and we've just beautified it. We've taken some of the, the things that Jesus taught and we've just overlaid that over the, the principle and the, the, the concept of the law. We've made it look a little bit more beautiful and gracious, but we still approach life through the law in terms of our thinking and our approach. Whereas we're no, long, no longer under the law, we're now under Jesus. And so we approach life from a place of submission to him because we're under him, we're not under the law. And that means that we need Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, to lead us in all circumstance, in every situation, because our worldly sense of justice is not God's sense of justice. Now again, our, 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 the risk for us, I guess, is to take a passage like we've just read over here, this woman caught in adultery, and then apply a law to that, and that every time someone is caught in adultery, that this is the, this is the, the treatment for that, that we, we, we pretend to be Jesus and we write something in the sand and then we stand up and it's like, no, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to go and create law around certain things. Are you guys tracking with me? The point is that our worldly sense of justice is altogether different from God's ways and His ways. And we need His ways. If we're going to release and be part of your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we need to understand His ways. We need to uh, be just so understanding of His ways, learn His ways, be taught His ways, live in His ways. Let's look at another passage of Scripture. This is also a challenging one. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to verse 36. This is Jesus, the Sermon on the, Sermon on the Mount. It says, but to you who are listening, thank you Jesus, we are listening. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Well, we could just stop right there and end the day and be like, okay, <laughs> we've got a long way to go. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we need you. Because that's, that's not easy. I mean, that's not easy for any of us to do. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. I mean, come on, what is our natural earthly response to someone that hates you? It's like, oh, well, I'm going to spite you back and uh, something's going to happen and it's going to be good. You deserve it because you're uh, whatever. Got my sword ready. Oh, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn, the, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? 
even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Yo, this is tough stuff, hey? It really is not, not easy to live according to this, this, this requirement, this standard. Now, what, what Jesus did with the law is He didn't like cross it out and say, okay, it's not applicable. He did away with it in the sense that He escalated and He raised the bar. And he said, no longer will we live by the law, but we will live by him. You see, we now live under Jesus. It's as we submit our lives under him that the law is written on our hearts. And again, now the temptation of our, our minds, which, have, uh, which like rules and regulations because it's easy. That's the boundary, stay in the field. But when we don't have that, it's like, okay, well, I need a constant voice speaking to me, guiding me, and leading me. And so because we don't necessarily have that, and we don't have the the Ten Commandments as it used to be, it's now Holy Spirit, and it's written on our hearts as He guides us, as He leads us. But our minds like to have the structure and the boundaries and do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And so the temptation for us is to take a passage like this from the Sermon on the Mount in Luke chapter 6, and then we then go and create our new law around the things that Jesus said. Now, does Jesus literally mean over here that every time someone asks you for a coat, that you give them a coat and you take off your shirt and give it to them as well? Does, do, does he mean that we, we literally have to give to everyone that asks? Does it mean that if a drug addict comes up to you and says, hey, I need some money for my my next fix, that we should give because the Bible says we must give to everyone that asks? It's like, no, don't lose your marbles. So let's, let's not go and create law around certain things. God's speaking about a heart and a position and approach to life, an approach to Him. He's showing us that His ways are higher. His ways are other. And we need to come into alignment and we need to be transformed to become more like Him. That we will know His ways. We will walk in His ways. He will guide us and lead us in His ways. And that is why we need Holy Spirit teach us. Because we don't want to repeat the same mistakes that James and John wanted to do. Fire. We don't want to repeat the mistake that Peter made with his sword. God, your ways are other. Your ways are higher. Holy Spirit, we need you to teach us, to lead us. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's the law of Jesus. 
It's following him as we carry one another's burdens, as we, we care for one another. That's one of the ways we, we carry the law. Let's have a look at uh, Luke chapter 22 from verse 25 to 27. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Question mark. Is it not the one at the table? Question mark. But I am among you as one who serves. We see this repeated through the scriptures a number of times. Jesus saying, the greatest is the least. The last shall be first. The one that serves, that is the, the, the pathway to greatness, serving. And it's not that we get a graduation from, from serving to then be seated at the table because we served. No, it's as we live a life of always serving, that serving is greatness. But again, I think our minds, we, we, we look for natural progression in certain things. But his ways are not our ways. Holy Spirit, teach us. We need you. I mean, we take a, a simple thing like financial stewardship and, and tithing. I mean, in the natural, it just doesn't make any sense at all if we're really practical and honest with ourselves. To give away 10% of your income and then think you're going to be better off financially, that just makes no practical sense from a logical stance. But his ways are not our ways. And when we align even small things like our financial stewardship with his ways, well then he pours out his blessing and his favor upon us and somehow miraculously the 90% goes further than the 100%. I don't know how it works. <laughs> but I know it works. His ways are not our ways. Holy Spirit, teach us. I mean, we look, we look in the old, old covenant, we look at the story of Joseph. Man, isn't that a crazy story? It's like, here's this young guy, gets this prophetic promise, dream. You're going to be great. Brothers are going to bow down to you. A little bit like Peter and the sons of thunder. <laughs> Look at me, goes and shares and tells the world the story. And well, where does that lead him? <laughs> it leads him to be sold into slavery, abandoned by his very own family, left abandoned. From, from being sold into slavery, Joseph then works his way up in the house of Potiphar, an influential man, and he becomes like, Second in charge of the whole household, caring, he's influential, he's a man of some kind of significance. I mean, I don't know, what was he thinking? Is he, is he thinking, maybe this is my journey to the prophetic promise that God had given me? And as he's in that place of authority, what happens? The carpet gets pulled out from under his feet again as Potiphar's wife traps him. Where does he go? Pew, prison. Oh man, 
He's just like kind of getting out of the slavery thing and now he's in prison. After spending time in, in prison, he works his way up and he becomes an influential person, a figure of almost authority within the prison ranks. Some of the king's servants, they have dreams. They don't know what to do with them. Joseph says, well, hey, I can help you with that. I can interpret. And so he interprets their dreams and everything comes true as he had said. He says to one of the king's stewards, please don't forget me. Don't forget me. Well, what does the king's steward do? He forgets Joseph. <laughs> Some years later, I think it's two years later if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, and still Joseph sits in prison until one day the king has a dream. And all the sorcerers, the magicians of the day, they can't, they can't interpret it. They don't know what the, the dream means. And then someone remembers. Ah, oh, there's this man, Joseph. He once interpreted my dream for me. The king calls for him. He interprets the dream, wins favor with the king. I think we know the rest of the story. Gets put in a position of authority. He becomes in charge of all of the, the fields and the grain and the strategy to feed the whole of Egypt through the next seven years of droughts. The seven good years and then the seven bad years. Man, in the natural, it just makes absolutely no sense that he would get to that position in the route that he went. It's like God gave a prophetic promise, that is the direction you're going in. And from that moment, Joseph's life went this way in a hurry. Sold into slavery. Put in prison. Left in prison. This is, I mean, he's just going further and further and further away from the promise of God when we look at it in the natural. Yet his ways are not our ways. And so in a moment, in an instant, I know a man who can interpret that dream for you. And in that moment, everything changes. Everything changes. See, I think the requirement upon us is that we remain faithful. We remain obedient. That when Jesus gives a promise and it looks very clearly like it's that direction, and then your circumstance and your obedience takes you in this direction, remain faithful. Remain faithful. Tell you a quick story. We we did beach outreaches for for eight years. We did them, and uh, and God spoke to me when we we came up with this concept. He, I felt it was pretty clear that we needed to go and do a beach outreach in a place called Kenton on Sea. And the vision just kind of came while I was reading a book, and it it just landed so strong. I'd never felt God speak to me in that way before, and uh, brought it to the leaders, laid it at their feet. This is the sense I had. This is what I felt God saying. Um, what do you guys think? And uh, the, the leaders. Uh, they, they agreed, they felt it was the Lord, and they said, let's do this. And so we agreed we were going to do a beach outreach to a place called Kenton-on-Sea for, um, yeah, for that December. And, and, and I absolutely love John. I adore him. He, he says, and when we're having this meeting, he says, but let's, let's not just go in there and be fly-by-night. Um, let's commit to five years. <laughs> of course, yeah, five years, we're in. It's, it's easy to say it in the moment. We commit, we're going to do it, we start planning. It must have been, I don't know, I can't remember exactly, this was many, many years ago. Within 
a number of days or weeks of us committing. We're going to do this for five years. My wife and I get offered a free overseas holiday, fully paid, over the same dates. So what do we do? We bring it to the leaders and we say, guys, this is what happened. Like, what would you do? Just saying, I mean, and, and the, the leaders, they kind of say, oh, you know, this is once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, we, we, we release you. It makes sense. I just don't have the peace of God. And I just feel, I just, I need to check this with John. I go and, go and chat to John. Say, John, this is, this is what happened. Like, I need wisdom. John's so amazing. He, he looks at me and says, you committed to something and you need to stick to your commitments. It was one of the hardest things to hear, but straight away the peace of the Lord flooded my heart. <sighs> yes, this is what I need. I need to hold to my commitment. The Lord's kind and gracious. Went to the, the offer of the free holiday and said, this is the situation. We, we can't go over these dates. We've got a commitment. And uh, in the Lord's grace, the dates were moved. We went on the free overseas holiday and we were able to remain faithful to our commitment. Come on, isn't, isn't God good? And the same thing happened, I think, another two or three occasions over the next three years. But when, when, when the Lord speaks something, so oftentimes the opposite is going to come. And are you going to remain faithful in those times of, of, of questioning, of testing? Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Holy Spirit, we need you to teach us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, speaking about Jesus. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to Father. Everything that was happening to Jesus from a worldly perspective was totally unjust. There was no moral or earthly justification for what happened to him. Yet he didn't fight it. He didn't even speak against it. Instead, he just entrusted himself to Father. Let's not entrust ourselves to the law or to a set of rules and regulations because his ways are not our ways. We need to entrust ourselves to a living king, to Holy Spirit that will guide us and teach us in all ways and in all things. When it comes to your business, the Holy Spirit wants to teach you. When it comes to Areas where there just is an injustice in your life, the Holy Spirit wants to teach you. When it comes to raising your children, the Holy Spirit wants to teach you. When it comes to dealing with a work colleague or a workplace conflict, the Holy Spirit 
wants to teach you. Because his ways are not our ways. And if we're going to be those ambassadors that bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, we need to know and understand his ways. We need to let him guide us and lead us in his ways, not in the ways of the world. You see, I think he wants relationship with us, and that's why I think he didn't come back to the, the law and give us, you know, spell it all out. This is what you must do, and this is what you mustn't do. It's like, no, it's written on our hearts, which means it's this ongoing connection, relationship, communing, conversation with him to guide us, to lead us. Because he wants to be with us. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to dwell with us. Holy Spirit is here to teach us, and he wants to teach us. I only got saved after high school. I was about 20 at the time. But you know, I learned something powerful by not being present. At high school, me and a bunch of classmates, high school kids, they're hopefully out. Don't listen to what I did. This was before I knew Jesus. I bunked a lot of Afrikaans class. And now the fruit of that is I'm not very good at speaking Afrikaans. Don't follow in my ways when it came to being present at school. If Holy Spirit is going to teach us, we need to be present in His presence. Because if we're not in class, we're going to miss the lesson. If we're not there when He's speaking to us, we're going to miss the lesson. If we're just there with our sword chopping off ears, blindly going on because Jesus said, sell your cloak and buy a sword. I'm doing it. You're going to miss the lesson. If you're calling down fire because Jesus called you sons of thunder and you just keep going on because that is what he said. This is who we are. You're going to miss the lesson. If we're not present in his presence and in the classroom that Holy Spirit gives us and puts us in every day of our lives. We're going to miss it. Doesn't matter if you've been walking this road with Jesus for 70 years or if you've been walking it for two days. It's the same for all of us. Every day. Oh, Holy Spirit, teach me through today. Guide me through today. Lead me through today. Your ways are higher. God, I need your insights. I need you to teach me that I might walk in your ways. That I might give not as the world gives. We'll go right back to the beginning of this morning. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Jesus wants us to live in the same way that we will not give as the world gives, but that we will give from a heavenly dimension, His peace, His way, His approach, not our approach. Won't you stand?
Let's pray. Lord, the scripture says that we are to become your ambassadors as though you are making your appeal through us. Oh Lord, what a responsibility. For us to be ambassadors of heaven, we have to understand the ways of heaven. We have to understand your ways. We have to be taught. Holy Spirit, we need you. We say, come and teach us. Come and guide us. Come and lead us that we might walk in your ways. That we might honor you. That we might glorify you. That your name might be exalted on the earth. Thank you, Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, we say, come and teach us all things. Every morning, every day, every waking moment, every challenge, every difficulty, every area of injustice, Holy Spirit, we say, will you teach us? Will you guide us? We need you. Oh, Lord, we we say, will you help us to listen? Help us to hear your voice. Help us to learn from you in every moment of every day. Lord, help us to be present in your presence in your classroom, that we might become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.